Welcome to episode 74 of the Horror Dads podcast. Man, do we have a doozy today. We have a big one. Yeah, so you're joined by your host, John and Jamie, as always. And today is extra special because we have a guest on. Uh, We're going to get to an interview with him shortly here, and that is Corey Danziger, who played... He played the character of Dave Peterson in The Burbs, which is probably my favorite movie of all time, as I've talked about probably too many times uh, on this podcast. But he's also in a ton of other great stuff like Erie, Indiana, which we jump into. Uh, He's also a musician and just a super fucking nice guy. Like he was in Beethoven. Yeah. Yeah. That's one with the giant dog. Childhood uh, films for uh, early, early 90s. Talk about nostalgia. Yeah. Crazy. So we we jump in with him here in a little bit and talk about nostalgia, his time with Burbs, time working with Joe Dante, but he's also just an incredibly kind, uh, interesting guy. Yeah. Awesome interview, awesome guy. And a great artist, and he's got like so much cool stuff linked with um, conceptual art and music and all this other stuff. So I uh, can't wait for you guys to, to check that out um, in a couple of minutes here. But before we do that, we're going to catch up. It is fall as hell. We're in Ohio. Mm. It's 60 degrees today. Yeah. And we're feeling it. We're feeling the good vibes, and we just had a great interview. So, Jamie, let's catch up real quick and then jump into our interview. Let's do it. What have you been watching, man? Uh, so, I, dude, I watched this movie. It was called, I think it's on Netflix, actually, which Netflix is like the one, right? It's like for horror that I like go to least, probably. Yeah. Um, but I've kind of run the gamut on Shutter and Prime uh, recently, so... Hopped over to Netflix, see what was playing. Checked out this movie called uh, Things Seen and Heard. Okay. Uh, it's a, essentially a haunted house movie, uh, but there's a deeper story going on. It's not just about the haunted house. The yeah. haunted house kind of alludes to a, a deeper thing going on. Um, I can't give too much away, but it's one of those where it's set in a farm. I think it takes place in the 80s, 1980 maybe. It takes place on a, a farmhouse that you know, a couple moved from the city with their kid, uh, bought this farmhouse, um, that you find out some shit went down at this house, you know, years ago. Yeah. Uh, you have a couple kids who are helping tend to the house and, uh, babysit. So there's just all these different, you know, you have these characters in the town and, uh, the husband goes to work at a college as a professor. So you have the different teachers and uh, the different characters that pop up along the way that I always love that. I love uncovering new characters and stories that kind of uh, uncover themselves, but definitely worth a watch, uh, especially if what I described sounds like your bag. Uh, Good vibe for this time of year. 100%. You get a, I think we kind of get the seasons, you know, but the fall season is definitely in there. Yeah. And then um, I watched Dahmer. We're going to talk about yeah, this we talk with about Corey, that so I'm episode, not going to yeah. dive into it. Uh, but I, another show that I watched, this is something that like typically I would never watch because I'm just like over it. But the American Horror Stories, not the... Yeah, the American yeah, Horror like Stories. The, yeah, the spinoffs. Yeah, the... Uh, Standalone episodes. What do you want to call it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Every yeah. episode's completely different. There's no overarching theme. Um, this is the second season. I don't know that I even finished the first season. I just watched a few of those. I think I actually just watched the episode with Naomi Grossman in it. Yeah. Uh, so I, I started the second season and binge that one in like two days while I was working. Uh, but it, it's one of those where like, it's definitely worth watching. Yeah. But there's so many eye roll moments. Like even the episodes and like so many eye roll moments, <laughs> some of the episodes where it's like three minutes in, you're like, okay, I already know what this is, Yeah, you know? Cause they are, there's, they're always trying to be clever and like flip something on its head. Yeah. And so you're always like anticipating that every time you, an episode starts, you're like, all right, where's the, where's the rub here? We also have to think like, I, I would say the American horror story crowd is probably a little, little on the younger side. Um, so I think, I think it might be catered to, um, Maybe some of the younger crowd a little bit as well. Sure, but. yeah. People who maybe aren't as familiar with some of the tropes, I Not guess. a seasoned veteran like you, Jamie. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but, I mean, if you have some time to kill and you can put it on his background. It's worth a, definitely worth a worth check it, out. Yeah. yeah, I... Uh, so, speaking of things that are relevant to the season, we just released our Love Letter Fall episode, so we are in fall mode here at the uh, Horror Dad's headquarters in Youngstown, Ohio. And, uh, yeah. And it was like 82 days ago. 
yeah. So I'm I'm about to talk about some family stuff that relates to weather. And- but yeah, so it, today is it's perfect. You know, it's it is it is fall. But I I put on Hell House LLC. Mm. Um, so I, I we've talked about this on the show before. This is not my first time watch, but uh, first time this year at least. And it's uh it's kind of a a hand camera found footage esque type of film about a a a group of individuals that are going to create a haunted attraction at an old hotel. Yeah. Motel. The Abingdon. Abingdon. Yeah. 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 And it's uh it's good. It's really good. It's well done. And I think it's under the radar too. Didn't have a huge budget. One hundred percent. Not a ton of marketing, but it, it really captures the season and it does it well. And it's like a group of kids that go uh to different towns. Yeah. And like renovate yeah. Either an old house or in this case a hotel and turning into turning into a big haunted attraction. Yeah. Right. It's it's cool. It's a good it's a good movie. So when you get past the initial because it's one of those where they found the tape, right? Like yeah. no, this tape was found amongst the rubble or, or whatever the fuck. Yeah. Uh it's when you get past the initial interviews with like scholars and experts who were analyzing the tape, because that part is pretty fucking bad. It like is the, like the reenactment of like unsolved mysteries. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yep. Uh, where it's like, yeah, no, these, these people are actors, but they're portraying the, the, uh, <laughs> those, those ones kind of that like element is a miss, but when yep. you get to the actual story home run to me. Yeah, uh, I agree. And that is the same case for all three of those movies. Though, though in the set is good. Like the Dude, whole the set, set is, is great. Yeah. And the the uh, haunts, the scares, so good. So good. Like those clowns, dude. Yeah. The other thing I fell into. Big fan. So prepping for this episode, I did watch an episode that we're going to talk about here uh, shortly uh, of a show called Erie, Indiana. So I did watch, rewatch the episode of Erie, Indiana that our buddy Corey is in. And then I fell into a trap where I just was watching Erie, Indiana. I week. did the same thing. So. Great show. Love it. Comfort as hell. Just a nice thing to have on in the background. And it's so Uh, 90s and us being 90s kids. It's like it really just touches that bone of like, you know. Yeah. My childhood. It brings you to a good spot. Yep. For sure. Do you want to talk about what's been going on with the family? Yeah. So we just did an episode not long ago. So I guess not too much has changed. Uh, You probably have more to talk about with the family. Yeah. I've got a big, big, big thing to tell. Yeah. So I'm going to cover what's been going on with my family along with what I've been buying. So I took my my family to Disney on Sunday of last week. Today's yeah. Friday. So loaded up the crew. My oldest daughter's birthday was this week. So we did go into um, Magic Kingdom on Sunday night. We got tickets for the Mickey's Not So Scary Halloween Party thing. Awesome. And dude, there was like all these. They, they had this uh, caravan parade thing of like the villain like the disney villains and the headless horseman comes tromping out holding a pumpkin and it, we you walk in it's dark and the entire magic kingdom is covered in pumpkins everywhere and like flickering lights in every single window and ev- everything around you is orange and it's just it it looks it doesn't feel like it but it looks like fall and then you see stuff like the headless horseman coming through and the Sanderson sisters doing a performance on uh, the big stage at the castle. Oh, man. Uh, fireworks are happening and all these songs are, are playing simultaneously um, from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And it just was so Halloween centric and all the kids are dressed up that are there. And you can go from stop to stop and stop and trick or treat and collect candy. And man, uh, how cool. Yeah. So my girls dressed up as black cats. Uh, both of them did. And they were super into it, but it was, it was so ungodly humid and hot. It was like, oh yeah, we were there from, from probably 7 PM to like almost midnight. And the, that was our travel day too. Like our, we got in Sunday. Oh yeah. Yeah. And then we just went straight there and, and did it. And, but the lines for the rides, there was hardly anybody. In, oh, in with the, the evening, lines. yeah, yep. that's the way to go. So it was cool. So we got to do that. So it was nice to 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 kind of go through that. But 
uh, yeah, we had a blast, man. And we hit Magic Kingdom the next day again. And then we did Animal Kingdom. Then we uh, had an off day. And then we did uh, Epcot yesterday to wrap things up. Man. Yeah. Epcot was great. Yeah. So chill and subdued in comparison to the intensity and insanity yeah, that was yeah. Magic Kingdom. But uh, What was your favorite park? Epcot? I think my favorite experience was the Halloween Bash. Yeah, I mean. Um, but my favorite park was definitely uh, Epcot or, or maybe Animal Kingdom because it, it, everything was felt super subdued in comparison to Magic Kingdom. Yeah. It was just so... Yeah, yeah. So I, I've been Hectic. to Disney a lot of times. So that that was the most intense I've, I've ever huh. seen it. Yeah. But yeah, man. So that's what I've cool. been doing with the family and what I've been buying. Nice. Yeah. So two birds with one stone. Yeah. You, uh, you buy probably anything? you probably don't want to buy anything. For no. The, Can for I have the, some for money? the next year? Yeah. Um, the reason I have you here today is because I need to borrow <laughs> money from you. So I actually bought. I don't know if uh, I'm sure some of our listeners uh, at least were on the Discord, but. So our buddy, um, Gore Forever, our buddy Chuck that runs that oh, yeah, page, yeah. he posted a thing, I think it was yesterday, um, highlighting that Walmart had the, oh, the 4K, Halloween yeah. 4K box set. So it was the part six, H2O, and Resurrection. Uh, the what 4Ks. you've been seeking. Yeah. So it had, it was just those three, but they were, the, it's a pre-order through Walmart. The sale price is like $105. For some reason, I don't know if it was an error, they had it on sale for $22 for the pre-order. So he posted it real quick, like, if you want to get on this, get on it quick. Uh, and then the Discord uh, for our Patreon members started blowing up with this as well. I hopped on, purchased it right away, like, uh, I think less than two minutes later, I checked again and it was done. Uh, the price was already fixed. And I saw Peter Sudol also... Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so you I'm know, sure the they, intern, they were like, it should be one twenty two ninety nine orders. Yeah. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah. Yeah. So I hopped right on that. Um, so I'm excited to have that coming. Yeah, I don't even have a 4K player yet, but how are you going to pass up on that? <laughs> it's our buddy, Matt Bowman. I, he reached out to us. He's like, do you guys ever get an international uh, or a region free Blu-ray player? Because I've got some movies I meant to watch on a region free i'll send your way and i was like yeah we've been talking about it too buddy we haven't we haven't we have stuff that we can't watch either too many movies so yeah. little money that's how it goes sometimes so we've touched what we've been watching what we've been buying mm. uh what's been going on with family real quick yeah. you know what comes out next week spook bag baby oh does it yeah tuesday oh, i think nice I did receive my WNUF too. I haven't watched it yet though. Oh, was, you got it? Yeah. Oh man, it I need to look at when it. I was on vacation because it like comes in like a VHS case, right? It does. Yeah. yeah I, like uh, a purple one. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, I thought we could yeah. watch it together this weekend. Ooh, yeah. I'm Maybe in. over some football, dude. Yeah. Don't threaten me with a good time, John. <laughs> yeah. So that's uh, that's what that's what we've been uh, that's what we've been doing. But what what are you wearing, man? Oh man, I'm so pumped about this one. Speaking of cavity colors, I have my uh so this is the only long sleeve horror tee that I own. And by that I mean like designs down the sleeves. Yep. Uh, I was very hesitant to jump into that trend, but this is the first one I bought. It's glow in the dark. It has like ghost face and like a VHS tape and knife and uh just some nineties memorabilia on the one sleeve and then it says ghost face lives on the other. And then it had just a fucking smack dab in the middle of the shirt is Ghostface. Um, if you were in a black light right now, you would be. Yeah, like my room. It looks amazing yeah. standing in my room. I just like stand in there and stare at myself. Yeah, um, yeah looks great. I love the shirt. Yeah, I, I had a um, bonfire night with the neighbors tonight before you came over to record this Ooh. episode, Jamie. So I got, I got all bundled up here. Like you've been doing here. some counseling. Yeah, I've got my uh, Halloween shirt company hat on here uh, with the the skeleton hand holding the the flame wicking in the air. You yeah, know? that's a good one. I love this hat. I wore it all through Disney. And um, people kept uh, complimenting my hat. Oh. I wore my Horror Dad's tank top one day. People kept asking me questions about it. And then of all the tattoos I have, four or five times someone said, oh, my God, I love your ghost face tattoo. Not one thing was said about any other one except that one came up multiple times. It was huh. pretty interesting. Yeah. But uh, I've got my Camp Crystal Lake. 
Cam Counselor hoodie on. Yeah, you do. My Jeff Bezos Amazon special. Uh, unnamed Bezos. artist. Jeff Bezor. Isn't that uh, it was, an it was, item from Harry Potter? Yeah. <laughs> My neighbor, Larry, uh, we were all hanging out there. You oh, yeah, yeah, the yeah. Day, and <laughs> yeah. he was like, um, you guys do know it's uh, Jeff Bezos, right? I was like, oh, God damn it. Jeff Bezor. <laughs> Sorry, Larry. We love you, buddy. Uh, but a couple quick shout outs before we jump into our episode. I do want to note real quick that we do have a Patreon. So if you're interested in some additional bonus content, we do have a $5 per month and a $10 per month tier. So you can unlock immediately a handful of episodes. We do monthly watch throughs. We do monthly bonus episodes. We do a monthly never seen it segment where we watch a movie that patrons vote on that we've never seen. And we talk about it. This month's movie is Motherly from 2021. We, uh, by the time this episode airs, we'll have a limited, limited release of some fall raglans posted. Yeah. Uh, They might be gone by the time this airs. I'm kind of nervous about that, but... um, We did a pretty intimate run and we did some restocks of our initial design, but we do have a comprehensive set of merch at horrordads.com. If you'd like to jump on there and outfit yourself in some merch from your favorite podcast. And you can follow us on social everywhere at Horror Dads. Instagram is our primary channel. And finally, if you wouldn't mind taking two seconds to jump over to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen, Please leave us a five-star review. It goes a long way. Helps others find the show. Yeah. And lastly, Joe Dante. We want you on the show, sir. Joe, Mr. Dante, (laughs) please thank you. With that, let's get at it. Let's go. Welcome to episode 74 of the Horror Dads podcast. Today's a very, very important day because we're joined by Corey Danziger, actor, writer, conceptual artist, and uh, we're a big fan of Corey's. We've been following him for years. Corey was in one of my favorite movies of all times, In the Burbs. Corey, welcome to the show, man. So happy to be here. This is very exciting. Um, I'm, I'm just thrilled to join you. Yeah, we're so excited to have uh, our favorite, like we grew up with you as uh, Dave Peterson, right? Seriously. Dave Peterson. Yeah. That's cool. That's cool. You got good taste in movies. Yeah, man, you uh, you led the charge. I mean, you've been in other amazing stuff too, and you've got some really exciting, uh, cool stuff you've been working on, uh, uh, in recent years as well. So we'll we'll definitely spend some time, um, maybe on the latter half, touching on all this, all the great stuff you've you've been working on lately. But uh, growing up, I mean, for those that don't know, Corey was in front of a lot of you, uh, in movies like Beethoven. Uh, he was in one of our absolute favorite episodes of Erie, Indiana. Oh yeah, with Daniel Harris, also directed by Joe Dante. Like, insanely great episode there. It's uh, like the perfect storm of TV, right, oh, dude? Yeah. It's so good. And that show, like, people sleep on that show. It's all about goosebumps. But like, Erie, Indiana was uh, the real deal. It's a hidden treasure, no doubt. Yeah, and and of course the Burbs, uh, which is, as many know, my uh, favorite movie probably of all time. And uh, you were Tom Hanks's son in that film, yeah. I sure was. It was a it was a blast. Yeah, I love in the community. The Burbs community is just amazing. It's so neat to be a part of this kind of growing community that's discovering the film. You know, thirty years later. Yeah, yeah, it's wild. It's got to be insane, man. So, what what got you into acting originally? So, you're from the Los Angeles area. Yeah, I grew up in Los Angeles. My mom actually did a lot of acting and modeling, um, and I uh, had a friend that was acting in kindergarten on TV commercials, and I used to wake up on Saturday mornings and see him on TV commercials. And I, I said to my mom, "I, I got to do this. I got to be on TV. John Dennis is on TV every Saturday. How come I'm not?" <laughs> so, uh, my mom knew how to do it because she had done it as a teenager and um, we went out and you know interviewed with a bunch of agents and actually the best agent in the business uh, just a legend Iris Burton uh, actually picked me up and, and started working with me and uh, I started working almost immediately it was, it was a great 10 year ride yeah 
Um, so like as you went into these auditions and whatnot, I guess like what I can't imagine. So being an adolescent kid is tough, right? In general, uh, you've got all these friends and all these emotions and hormones and like, you're just growing as a person and, and you see your friends doing certain things and, uh, you, you want to do certain things. You want to not do certain things, but I guess how was, uh, how was, jumping into acting while juggling like kind of being a kid was it was it hard to do both or was it it was easy? it was pretty easy my parents were really good people um they both worked my dad was an attorney my mom was a, was a social worker um and you know they they wanted to see me do baseball they wanted to see me do soccer um and they you know stretched to take me to auditions and make sure that I was doing all those things and going to like a regular school. So I was really, really lucky. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I'm picturing like uh, the kid from rookie of the year, like his friends are like, you missed out on building the boat. <laughs> yeah. So it was not like that. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, so your, your parents uh, were, I, I guess, so you said your mom, did it in her teen years and whatnot, um, the, the acting portion of things. But was your dad an attorney in the film industry or anything, or did they have any affiliation with? Not really. He he um, he used to negotiate my contracts with Iris, um, but he was an immigration attorney. Oh, nice, and, nice. Um, he represented some really interesting people. He brought John Candy into the country. He brought, um, I believe he represented uh, the Murdoch family. Man. Uh, so he was a pretty famous attorney for that genre, that specific specialty. Um, and he was just really a supportive dad. He was a really good man and really, really wanted me to do what I wanted to do, which was act. Yeah, it's incredible. Yeah, that really is. And when you have a family and such a great support system like that, it makes uh, everything so much easier. And you want a lot of uh, you want several like future child star awards, right? I was nominated a lot. Um, I didn't actually win. Okay, we'll say you won. It's fine. Yeah, Where'd you go, Jamie? God damn. Yeah, no, I never. But uh, uh, I was nominated. They have, you know, in LA, they give awards for everything. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. <laughs> they awards. Um, so I was nominated a bunch of times for stuff, but I never won. So voice acting, in addition to acting, seemed to be a pretty uh, big portion of your career as well, um, kind of even early on. So how'd you, how'd you get into that? Did, was that something that you uh, desired to do or it just was like, Hey, there's an opportunity here. I might as well give it a shot kind of thing. You know, um, when you go on auditions, you go for live stuff and you also go for voiceovers. And I did have some success with voiceovers. I, I know I did the, uh, campaign for blockbuster and I did um, oh my God! At the end of my career, I did a film, a feature film with uh, Ice T and Demi Moore and uh, Ted Danson and John Candy. That um, was a voiceover part, or for the most part, was a voiceover part. It was live action, then I turned into a cartoon. Um, but yeah, I, I had the opportunity to do some voiceover stuff, which was fun. Yeah, my parents always like growing up. We're like, oh, you should get into voice act. Like, you should do yeah. voices. Like, you're good at impressions and impersonations. You should do that. And uh, I was always like, yeah, okay, cool. And I never pursued it. And it, it was somewhat recently, someone reached out. They were like, hey, uh, you have a podcast, right? I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're like, how do I like get into voice acting? And I was like, oh, well, I, I mean, that's that's like a different thing. Yeah. And they were like, well, you're good at impersonations. And I was like, oh, damn it. I'm hearing this again. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't have any guidance for you, but I was like, I could connect you with maybe some people that I've, I've talked to and they can maybe steer you in the right direction. But the I thing about voice acting is you don't have to be there. You don't have to be in LA. You can do it from anywhere. Our, my, my best friend lives in Chicago and he's, um, he's been working as an actor and a writer and he's, uh, he's done some like, television stuff like Chicago med Chicago fire stuff like that. But he also just did, wasn't it Char the Charmin commercial? Oh, I don't know. The uh, Charmin toilet paper. I think it was, he had like a vo voiceover gig and it was something that aired, you know, like on television and whatnot. And, uh, we've just, 
had a great time ragging on him because we were like, great, you got the toilet paper roll, man. That was your first uh, big break into the into the scene. So funny. So you uh, but you you did stuff for Blockbuster. Is that what you're saying? I did a campaign for Blockbuster video uh, when I was about 17 that ran all over the place on radio. So we'd be I'd be driving my car and, you know, hearing my Blockbuster ads right up. That's amazing. Was Blockbuster your uh, your go to video store growing up? Of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. I've been Friday nights at Blockbuster. Did you get any perks for doing ads for them? They give you like free candy or anything? Free popcorn bags? I think so. They didn't waive Oddly. any late fees. <laughs> Oddly, I said to my mom one summer, I want to get a regular job. And I went to, to get a job at Blockbuster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. When I was like 19, I was like home for the summer. I was like, I'm not acting. So I went, sure enough, I went to my local blockbuster and applied for a job and got it. But somehow I got another job and chose to do that instead. Yeah. Mm. I, I think, was going to say, they'd be like, Corey, you have the burbs well, on for like the 30th time in a week, please. <laughs> we, we, uh, I feel like Jamie and I always wanted to work at a video store growing up simply because of uh, Scream. Right. Like Randy, oh my God, Randy's yeah. character. Yeah. Like we all wanted to be that guy. So yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately the video stores were on the, the decline when I was in my, my teen years. It's when Redbox started to get super popular. Oh yeah. The, the end of civilization as yeah. we know it. Uh, so Corey, were you a horror fan uh, growing up? Are you a horror fan now? You know, I, this is a bad day to ask me. I watched <laughs> the Dahmer. I was, and then I watched Dahmer last night. Mm-hmm. My wife was watching that today. What, so, not a fan. It was, it was. It scared the shit out of me. I was so traumatized last night watching it. Um, so I would say I am a horror fan, but there's degrees. Yeah. That was so real and so well done, and uh, I'm still kind of shaken up, shooken up by it. It was yeah. it's crazy. What's your wife think? Uh, she, so she and I both enjoy horror. Definitely me, uh, me more than, than she does, but we, we pursue different avenues. Like she likes the darker, more intense, more serious stuff. Um, not necessarily like the, the saws of the world, but like things like that, like Dahmer, that's like right up her alley. She likes real serious, serious things. So she she, likes the disturbing stuff. yeah, Yeah. She seemed to be pretty into it, but like, that's not for me um I, I i like the more fun loving easygoing you know things like the burbs or like the lost boys we were talking about before we started uh recording uh jamie and i are, are really into the more fun uh community uh friendship based yeah, monster uh, squad and yeah shit monster like that, squad yeah. yeah exactly stuff like that that's that's our our core but uh we definitely inter- interact with the other stuff i'll i'll probably check out Dahmer, but yeah so I watched Dahmer and I was wincing. I, I was telling somebody else that I like, it was so well done and just so good that I was wincing the entire time. And like, I told my wife like episode five, I was like, why am I watching this? I, I, like, I'm not even really enjoying it. It's just so good. But, uh, I think Corey, you and I probably grew up around that same time where like that was when he got caught. That was such a huge story. And I remember my parents telling me about it and it was just like, I, like my little mind and brain couldn't even comprehend the terrors that this guy inflicted on people in society. So it was just like, Oh my God, watching it back is just as horrifying. And it kind of makes sense why he, you know, learning about his childhood and about his father and about what they did together as like his hobbies. And it started making sense. That was what was really creepy about it is yeah. that you see how this guy could turn into this monster um, and start having a, a, a break from kind of reality of what was normal and what wasn't. Yeah. yeah. It was interesting getting that peek behind the curtain. It was kind of what made Jeffrey Jeffrey. I think he's from uh, this area, right? Isn't he from He grew Ohio? up in Ohio. Yeah. 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 Don't like that. Mm-mm. Don't like no, that like, at all. It's funny because as I'm watching it, like everything that he liked, like there's a part in the show. I don't know if you saw this, John, where he's like at the very beginning, he's trying to lure this guy in. And he's keeps making him watch this movie. And he's like, uh, what's this movie we're watching again? And he's like, Exorcist 3. It's my favorite movie. And oh I was like, God. I hate Exorcist 3, even though I love it. Uh, it was like anything that he liked, I found myself being like, no, I hate it. I wonder you if know? that's a real detail. 
Yeah, dude, I don't know. <sighs> That's actually... I was like, I'll never yeah. watch Exorcist 3 again. That yeah. is chilling. Yeah. Yeah, I, I had the kids outside tonight. It's like beautiful fall, perfect day here, Corey. Like 60 degrees, like perfect. And uh, we were just outside like playing on the playset or whatever. Come inside. I was like, all right, bath time. We got up early today. Time to get to bed. And um, my youngest is like, I'm going to go say goodnight to mom. And I, I peeked in the room and it was like this grotesque Dahmer scene. And I was like, no, get back here. You're going to be, <laughs> you'll be ruined for life. Yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. Dude. Jesus. Yeah. That bad. It's yeah. that bad. Crazy. Yeah, my kids popped in the office a couple times. And I like couldn't hit that pause button quick enough, even if it wasn't like a gory scene. It was just yeah. like I don't even want you like the aura like rubbing off on you. Yep. All right, let's uh, shift from Dahmer, uh, <laughs> if, if we could. Oh, we please. were talking before we started recording about the uh, what the the sad uh, puppy commercials with what's oh, her Sarah name? McLaughlin. Yeah, Sarah yeah. McLaughlin songs playing in the background. So we're gonna shed all that and and add some levity to this conversation but um beethoven huge production right i remember it coming out huge production they kept reshooting it i remember that specifically you know what started off as like a two-day shoot ended up being like five days yeah uh, a huge budget and they changed directors pretty way through uh, uh, at some point ivan reitman actually directed it um so it was just done over and over again that's all i really remember of it um who ended up? I had some small apartment. You know? Who who ended up doing? Who was the director that was published with the movie? I think Ivan Reitman. Okay. Yeah, I just I remember that so much growing up, and like what a big deal it was. Like there was a lot of marketing money behind that. Tons, to yeah. Kids that were like my age at that point in time. My sister and I, uh, Jamie's wife and I, and uh, yeah, dude, I just I remember it, and I, I actually went back and I watched through, I watched through. Uh, most of the stuff that you were in, man. Um, how does does Beethoven hold up? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> That's not to say I didn't enjoy your part, Corey. But uh, what I remember of it as a child versus what I saw of it today, yeah, I remember. But I do remember, <laughs> like when it came out in that moment. Like we we actually just the last episode we did was about pretty much like childhood. Uh, Halloween themed horror themed uh, films um, and the impact it made on us as kids and whatnot. So it was interesting having watched all those movies in preparation for that. And then watching through that one again and being like, yeah, to see like not, it's not all how you remember it was. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure I saw Beethoven in the theater. Oh, wow. did you? yeah, probably think about I'm when not it came sure out. I ever saw the whole thing. Um, I can't remember the ending at all. I don't know. Is, is, is that a thing typically? Um, cause I know a lot of, uh, artists and I, I even talk to musicians too. They're like, yeah, I can't listen to my stuff after it's published. Uh, d do you feel that way? Like typically, like if the burbs is on, do you not want to be in the room? No, I, I watch the burbs. The burbs, I, I, as I've gotten older, I really enjoy the burbs. Um, you know, I didn't understand a lot of it when I was a kid, you know, the, some of the intricacies of it, but I, I think it's a great movie now. Um, but, you know, I, I was a kid that was interested in, in you know, other things than, than watching my acting stuff. I was really into rock and roll. I was really into playing guitar. I was really into baseball. Um, so I wasn't, I was into doing the part, but not necessarily enjoying the aftermath of it, you know? Yeah. I didn't go to the theaters to see Beethoven or Memories of Me or some of these other movies that I did. Um, the Burbs I did because it was... I liked the experience so much and I just wanted to keep reliving it, you know? So we went to the theater and we made a big fuss over it. And, yeah. Well, that's awesome to hear because like, quite honestly, that's the kid, that's the role you play in that movie. So it, it's, you, it was perfectly cast, right? Cause you're, you're a suburban kid that wants all those things that you just described. Like that's exactly the authenticity of the reason I love that movie so much is I grew up in that neighborhood, right? Like, uh, middle America, safe, suburban feeling, friends on the cul-de-sac, you ride your bike everywhere, everyone's nutty in their own way, they've got their own insanity going on and their own priorities and people in the suburbs that get pissed at other people over the most ridiculous things like yeah, mundane activities. Yeah. yeah. Oh, 
I can't believe he hasn't cut his grass. Like stuff like that. Like you yeah. hear people chipping. Oh my God, the trash cans are still at the end of the, the driveway, you know, like sure. yeah. just like shit like that. Just, you know, part of life. And that the comfort of that movie, it was like, that was my home. And then taking that and saying like, Hey, we're going to tiptoe very subtly into what's going to become my favorite genre in life. Like, that was that movie for me. Like it was, that was my gateway and perfect gateway movie. Yeah. 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 I I, I just loved it so, so much. And still to this day, like I I watch it with my kids all summer. It's on like all summer and, and they, they love it endlessly. But, uh, so what was Joe Dante like to work with? Tell us, tell us about your experience with the burps. Joe Dante was my favorite director to work with hands down. Um, Funny, smart, uh, made you feel comfortable, got the best out of the actors. Um, he, he is just a consummate pro. And um, I did not only, you know, obviously the birds with him, but I did Erie, Indiana. Um, and I just, it was a, he's a dream come true, you know, for an actor. He lets you kind of stretch and do take after take if you want to. Um, I, I just loved him. How did that come about with Erie, Indiana? Was it like he was working on it and wanted you to come in or did it just yeah. so happen he directed it or? Yeah, no, he, he, um, he, I think he was one of the creators of it and, um, Hart came up and he said, you know, I want Corey to do this. So I went awesome. in and met with them and, um, he was actually, I think probably maybe three years later after the Burbs. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to that. audition for the Burbs? You remember what that was like? Yeah, I did audition for the Burbs. I don't know if I auditioned for Erie, but I auditioned for the Burbs. Do you remember what scene you had to read? Oh. No. no. <laughs> first, the first script was drastically different. You know, they, they were rewriting the script as, as we were shooting mm. it. I, I don't know what the scene was. Uh, so I got the Shout Factory <clears throat> um, release that came out a few years ago, and they have a couple alternate endings on there. And yeah. I honestly, like... So as soon as I got it, um, it was during the pandemic year, yeah. 2020. And I remember I got a big stack of movies and I was like, I'm going to just enjoy the hell out of these. Like, we're not going anywhere. We're staying in. Well, yeah, it was like a Scream Factory sale. Yeah. 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 Dude, I, I remember I could not wait. I got April Fool's Day and The Burbs all mm-hmm. in one pack with a couple of other movies. But when The Burbs got here, I remember I was so excited to check out the special features. And there was... Uh, I think there are two or three alternate endings that were in there. And yeah. one of them was that uh, Ray Peterson like had lost his job and that's why yep. he was so uh. fr- like frantic. And I remember I came up like afterwards and I was like talking to my wife and I was like, there's a scenario like where Ray lost his job. And she's like, what, what are we talking about? She's like, do you work with, with Ray? And I was like, no, no, no. From the burbs. And she was like, okay. <laughs> And I was like messed up for like a week thinking about this. Like my whole life was a lie. Like my comfort movie, Ray actually had lost his job. You thought he was on vacation this whole time. I know. I remember we shot scenes for that montage um, where he's kind of, kind of going, meeting his boss and then he's having dinner with the family. And there's like a whole kind of goofy montage that they did for that. Really? Uh, Yeah. I think it might be in the, the extras. I have to see. I haven't gotten the shout out extra box set thing, um, but I did just get the French one. Have you seen the French no. box herbs? Oh, it's so cool. Oh man. I, I, I got to yeah. check this out. I just took a note. I, um, I think I, I'm not exaggerating when I say this. I think I have four or five copies of that movie. So <laughs> <laughs> my wife's going to be super pumped when I buy a fifth one in, in French <laughs> in a language that is not ours. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but so in this movie, though, you had a chance to work with what? Oh, two, my God. Two Academy Award winning actors, right? You got yeah, Bruce Dern. Should have been three with Corey Feldman <laughs> or <laughs> Carrie Fisher. Yeah, Carrie Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but you've got Bruce Dern and Tom Hanks, uh, both in this film. Tom Hanks, super young. And he was just coming off of Big, I think, right? He had just done Big. Big was in the theaters when we were shooting. Okay. Oh, yeah. I, so was he like super mega star yet? Because I feel like after big is when he got really huge, right? He was the biggest star in the world when we were shooting. Okay. 
I mean, without question, yeah. he was on the cover of Rolling Stone while we were shooting. That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. Was um, he was he awesome to work with? The, the awesomest guy actor wise I've ever worked with. I mean, he's just a nice regular guy, and because he's so successful and so regular, it's like it's crazy how nice it is to be around him. Yeah. It's like wow, this is Tom Hanks. He's amazing. He's funny. He's nice. You're, you're, you know, um, and he's also the most successful person in the state, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's incredible. Um, then you had Princess Leia on the other side and you're like, oh, yeah, man. you know, it's weird with, I, I was a huge Star Wars fan, but somehow when you're working, you kind of lose sight of what the other stars or people that you're working with have been in. Yeah. It's a weird thing that happens. I don't know what that is, why it happens, but it always happens. Hmm. Um, but you know, Carrie was very, very nice, um, quiet, but nice. Um, and, uh, and Bruce Stern was hilarious. Bruce <laughs> is a imagine. lot like his character in real life. I mean, it, like Rumsfield, he's a lot like him. Dry humor, but funny, oh, but, man. um, and a tough guy, but funny and, uh, and a softie too. And somewhere inside him, there's a soft, softie to him, huh. you know? I love it. And how about Corey Feldman? So he was like a super mega star at the time too. And as at your age group, it was probably huge. Oh my God. It was like, he was the one that if anybody, if I was starstruck by anybody, it was Corey yeah. Feldman, the biggest teen star in the world. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he was a good actor. I mean, he is a good actor. And, and when you're a kid, you know, you gravitate to other people that are doing it, that are doing it really, really well. You know, River Phoenix was like an idol to me. Sure, Corey yeah. Feldman was an idol to me, you know, stand by me. Oh That's like ultimate movie for kid actors to watch and see how it's really done. Yeah. Um, and Corey Feldman couldn't have been nicer. And that was what was really cool too, is he kind of treated me like just another actor that he's working with. And, and it was kind of mind blowing at, at 11 years old to be working alongside of him and be like so enamored with him. And also he's treating me like an equal. So you know, it was just, Honestly, I was thinking about this before we did this interview. It was like the best, probably the best couple months of my life um, when I look back on on that experience. And it, a lot of it has to do with Joe because Joe has a happy set. Joe makes people feel good to work. Um, but also the cast was just really had a great time. Um, they liked each other. And the crew was amazing and it was a summer where it wasn't real busy at universal. Um, it was just, it was the best, it was the best time of my life. Yeah. I can imagine the, the street, uh, was a set, right? Yeah. The whole street. Actually, we were just talking about, I think, uh, the monsters was filmed in one of the houses, I believe, or the exterior at least. Oh yeah. Monsters and Eva to Beaver too. Yeah, oh, wow. We, somebody was just telling us this, right? Oh, I think it was me. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, there you go. It's like this fact sounds we just familiar. Did, we, it <laughs> yeah. was on the comedy episode, yeah. It, it yeah. was, yeah. My my number one horror comedy. Yeah, there we go. Was was the verbs, and I think uh, Desperate Housewives was the other. Oh, okay. That was shot there too. Yeah. When you go on the Universal tour, I, I just went on it a couple of years ago, and they mentioned all the shows, including the verbs that were when you get to that street, and it's incredible. I mean, it's just this mainstay in cinema yeah. and it always looks a little different you know even if it's the same oh and i i i remember distinctly when tom hanks was being honored at the academy awards a few years ago um they were doing like a compilation of all of all the films he was in and we were watching upstairs and when the burbs came up it was honestly like it was like i won an academy award i was like cheering <laughs> <laughs> my oldest daughter's like Man, you do. What's you wrong just with love you? this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think my kids are scared to tell me that they don't like the burbs, quite honestly. <laughs> I think that's where we've landed yeah. in life. We yeah. were talking about that on our last episode where yeah. it's like they just humor you. Yeah. They just yeah, kind of let I, you down soft. I do yeah. love this stupid Garfield special. Yeah. Thank you for making me watch this again. Yeah. Can I go play with my friends? <laughs> no, no, we're gonna watch it again. Yeah. Your friends can wait. No, you know what? Bring your friends in. We'll, we'll teach him something. Every time we pull the bikes out of the garage for the first time in the summer, I make my son watch Rad. And he's like, oh, Rad again, Dad. 
I'm like, well, we got the bikes out. You know what that means? And he's like, no. Not again. Yeah. Dad, please. I'm going to film some tricks. It's going to be great. Uh, so the set, though, for the Burbs, how, was that close proximity to your house? Like, do you? I, I lived about 15 minutes away from Universal at the time. Oh, oh wow. So it was so cool. And, you know, Did you, like, ride your bike there? Almost. Oh, man. I just, I have this great vision in my head of just, like, riding your bike into, uh, like, the Paperboy in the first scene. Yeah, dude, I was having, it was like an Amblin uh, <laughs> like logo in my head. Yeah. I remember, though, when we were shooting, the, the uh, tram was, you know, every 15 minutes was going by our set. And we would have to shut down for, you know, the five minutes that the tram would be there. Oh. And that, that was the, the only difficulty that I think we had shooting it was just, you know, making sure that you didn't get the sound of the tram. Yeah, man. What what was uh, Rick to come in, like to, to work with? So awesome. Yeah. So funny. Um, naturally funny. Uh, cool. Uh, young. Man, there's always adjectives that kind of come up to come to mind, but um, there's so much subtle humor. I feel like from him throughout that movie too, and like I, I feel like the pace of comedy and action and in hor- horror, like everything, I feel like attention spans and windows to prove points are so much tighter because like we continue to like commoditize every process, right? And if it doesn't make the most amount of money, like why do it? But that's why I love movies like The Burbs so much because it's like patiently humorous. Like the scene right. where you guys are in uh, the kitchen, right? And you, the kind of like grave diggers thing, and you guys are each, you know, eating your respective foods. Uh, right. But during that scene, there's a moment where Carrie Fisher comes up with the dog food. Yes. And she like drops like a plate of ribs off at the table or whatever, and Art's just like eating and eating and eating. And he reaches over and grabs from the dog food bowl and 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 eats it. And it's like very, very subtle. And he just makes his face and like slugs some orange juice. And like they don't ignore like no one says anything about it. It's just like a quiet thing that happens. And if if you don't pay attention and you haven't seen the movie a million times, like you, you might miss it. But I love how like patiently humorous that is. And I, I feel like based off what you're describing, it's a testament to like all these great contributors. It really was. I mean, the cast for the Burbs was incredible. I think about it now and I'm just so stunned that a movie had that kind of a cast put together. You know, Rick, Gary Fisher, Bruce Stern, Wendy Shaw was great. Um, Tom Hanks, Boyd Feldman, uh, you know, um, Gail Gordon. I mean, this, this is like, there's not a lot of films like that, especially in the comedy genre that have that kind of a, a, a cast. Um, and the fact that I got to be in it is just so, such a highlight for me in my life. Yeah. You know, it, I've, as I've separated myself from my acting life, it becomes more, it becomes neater each year to me. Um, because, it, you know, it's a chapter that I, I was lucky enough to participate in something like this, you know, so. Yeah. I feel like that's one of those movies that's gotten more popular with time, right? Like, because I feel like at the time it came out, um, it was like too comedy for like horror fans and too yeah, scary yeah. for like comedy fans. I feel like it, it was in a uh, a place where like it wasn't really sure where it fit. I know it came out. It was number one that week. Oh, well, fuck me. <laughs> no, no, no. I, I, I don't know how long it was number one for, but I know that week it was number one. Um, I love that. But I can tell you that the first 20 years after the movie, I didn't sign much stuff. You know, every year I'd get a few things that would come in, request to sign merchandise and things like that, or send a headshot. And now I, I, I'm signing stuff every week. I get stuff and I'm happy to, you know, hand out my address for people to send the stuff to. And, um, and I do it for free. And so every week I'm signing stuff. That's amazing. Which is kind of. So it's definitely grown over the last 10 years, I'd say. Huh. Man. Yeah, I feel like horror in general has had a big time resurgence in the past like 10 years. I think it's our podcast, quite honestly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, you never know. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, Corey, let me just ask this question. Uh, so you as Corey now in life, 
If yeah. you had to pick a character from the Burbs to live next door to, who are you picking? So this isn't to say you like Bruce Dern more I'm than Tom Hanks. Yeah, I, I'm with you, man. You got to yeah. have Ernest Field. Yeah. When, when he's up on the roof, not to be late with the Burbs, I, again, I'll talk about this forever, but when he's up there eating animal, cra- animal crackers and Corey Feldman's <laughs> friends are like, hey, man, what's the big unveiling? I got to go to work in a couple hours. And he's like, hey, man, piss off. Like, <laughs> there's so much, like, of my vernacular and spirit and like humor and the way I talk to people and like the things I find funny that I, I honestly credit to. And I think are defined by this movie. Um, And I think I'll probably have to edit this out because I've told this story too many times on the podcast. But when I lived in, in Illinois, um, I just uh, want for you to hear this Corey. um, And then I will shut up. But when I lived in Illinois with my my closest friends i had um these these three friends mike pat and steve they they were my buddies and they were all super into horror and you know we all explored scream together like that was really that was 96 you know i was nine ten years old when that came out so that was really the movie that got me truly into horror horror Um, but the year prior we went to the video store with um Mike and Pat's parents and they said hey go pick whatever you want we're like oh my god we're gonna rent the original Halloween so we go uh and we picked up what we thought was the original Halloween and it was actually Halloween 6 the curse of Michael Myers um so it was not the original Halloween and the other movie that we rented was the Burbs so we did a double feature that night Halloween 6 scared the absolute shit out of me um and we we then watched the Burbs and like if if you ask my dad to this day you know, what, what is your, what's your son's favorite movie? How many times has he seen it? He would hands down say the burbs and that summer alone. I think I watched it 45 times. Right. <laughs> and that was truly like that moment. Like I, I would put a stake in the ground right now and say like that moment was what made it for me. This podcast wouldn't exist. Our friendship wouldn't be as deep as it is uh, without this. So thank you. This was, was what I'm getting at. Feel really good. We got to get Joe Dante to be on this. Yeah. Dude. I mean, that would be, that's honestly like, I think I'm, we might quit after that. Speaking of bucket list. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we can, might. You, can you do that? Can you get him? Can you get some contact info for him and ask him to do it? Yeah. We, we've talked to a couple people who have had relationship to some extent with him and said, have said like, he's the nicest guy alive. Like if you get in contact with him, um, we need know, to figure out a way. Yeah. So, okay. So Corey, our, you, uh, thinking hats on for that. Yeah, man. Tell him I'll send him a, a, a French box set of, of the birds, <laughs> 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 but, uh, let's talk real quick. I, I we, we want to jump into scene four and talk about all the stuff that you've been working on. You've got some super interesting stuff and talk about your music career too. Cause, um, all three of us love music. So we definitely want to explore that. Yeah. Um, but the uh and also you're uh a writer as well i was looking into some of your books too i was going to pick one up the episode of uh erie indiana that you did um so i think a lot of listeners might have missed this show uh as a a staple in life so it was very goosebumps-esque omri katz from um from hocus pocus was our our main protagonist in this in this show and you were on with I'm not, and I'm not just saying this because you're on this podcast right now, but you're on probably my favorite episode of that show. It has Daniel oh. Harris in it, uh, but she was in Halloween Four, Halloween Five, uh, in in the remakes and whatnot. And your urban legend, urban legend, and then Joe Dante direct, you know, directed this. Yeah. So like that whole whirlwind, that's like a perfect tornado. So you know what. You know, what was that show like? What was Danielle Harris like to work with in Omri Katz? I went to, I went to high school. With her. What? Oh my God. Yeah. Um, and she was, she was cool. I liked her a lot. I, I thought she was really, really talented actress. Um, She's in, she, like that performance in Halloween four. Like it's insane. Like a, a, a kid that young to be able to be that emotive. It honestly is incredibly impressive. Yeah, no, she she was she was terrific. Omri Katz is a great 
actor. Um, he was great in that role. Um, fun show. Uh, great script. Very creative. Joe directing it made it a happy set. Um, and the actors, the performances on that show were all really good. Um, I had a blast. And the character that I played, it was, it was kind of the James Dean. Is that kind of? Sure. 100%, yeah. man. Yeah. What was yeah. the tagline? Live, uh, Live fast, die li- young, leave a good-looking course. Leave a good-looking course. Yeah, yeah like right. I think your entrance, you were wearing a, a a jean jacket with the collar popped, and you were doing the game where you stabbed the knife between your fingers like real fast. Right. Yeah. Right. <laughs> uh, which they sped up, just so you know when you're watching. <laughs> it was Makes sped sense. up. Well, you just saved your, your bass playing hand, man, because we were going to ask ask you to do it. So. <laughs> <laughs> So you guys are musicians. Yeah. Um, we, yeah, we, we both are. Yeah. We've been playing, oh. playing a while. Yeah. Uh, so I play guitar and sing and, and Jamie. I do whatever. Yeah. Jamie sings. He plays guitar. We, we both gotten pretty into home production, uh, particularly over the past few years, um, you know, with the pandemic and whatnot. So yeah, we, we've been, been playing and publishing some stuff. So, We'll have to send some stuff your way. Love to see. I'd love to hear what you're doing. Yeah. 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 So, uh, you you were in a band that seemed to tour a lot and play a lot. Um, probably closer to the mid to late '90s. Is that accurate? Yeah. I, uh, I was in a band called Shoecrackers of Bethlehem, Sob. Yep. And um, we had a lot of success locally. Um, and then I was in a band called RFA, and we actually released a record, which was really cool. Um, and I just, you know, I'm a guitar player and a songwriter and I had a partner uh, named Chris Young who him and I would write the songs, kind of the start of the songs together. And then the talented band that I was in would finish it and, uh, make it complete and awesome. Um, and that was a really special thing to kind of do. It was really what I did when I wasn't acting was I would focus on music, you know, I wanted to play music. So. It's actually one of the reasons why I think I stopped acting is because my interest was really in the band. And the band was, you know, we, we kind of took off in Los Angeles. We would sell out Troubadour and the Whiskey and the Roxy and the Cobalt Cafe and all the clubs out here. We, we bring in hundreds and hundreds of kids to see it. So I kind of thought that would be my future. Um, and obviously, obviously it was. Yeah. No, I'm just kidding. Well, I'm, but I mean, you, you interact with music on a daily basis now, probably, right? Yeah. Right. So now I um, I found a great partner in uh, a guy named Robbie Dosage, and we conceptualized a form of art made from performance on bass and, and guitar and drums. Um, and the collections are basically uh, performance-based art, fine art. So we have drummers using their drumsticks like paintbrushes. And in the dark, they play their, their lit drumsticks. And in the dark, they perform. And we capture through open shutter photography their performance into one frame. And then we work with it and then put it on the wall into a canvas. And it becomes this kind of fine art piece made from drum performance. Yeah. We did the same thing with guitar um, in that we created a glove with my friend Chris Young um, that lit each finger as it played, you know, on the fretboard and through open shutter photography, we're able to capture increments of performance and then put it to canvas. That's such a, that cool, is so cool. Yeah. Unique, like just untapped. Awesome. It's, thing. Yeah. It shows all over the world. I mean, we, we've done collections with Mickey Hart and uh, Grateful Dead, um, Dave Lombardo from Slayer, the Ward from Black Sabbath, um, uh, Rick Allen from Def Leppard, did I see a photo of Scott Ian from Anthrax? Scott Ian, we did. Joe Satriani, we've done. Inve Mousting, we've done. Um, oh man, Inve, about, that had to be incredible. It was incredible. We've done about sixty musicians man. who created art, and they're incredibly good at it, as you can guess. Yeah. I mean, yeah. once they get what they're doing, and once they get kind of the format to creating the art, they get so good at doing this. I mean, it's incredible. Um, and a lot of them released multiple collections. I mean, I've released four or five collections with Paul Palmer over the last uh, 12 years, you know, and, and it's sells all over the world. I mean, it's been in some museums and stuff. So it's kind of neat to see it balloon into this kind of thing, this entity. 
Yeah, and I love uh, hearing that the different uh, musicians are like really into it. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Really that's cool. super cool. Man, yeah, that's an incredible chapter of life too. It's a, it's something that it, I wouldn't have even thought of. So for you and uh, some buddies to come together and come up with just this idea in general is so amazing. And my partner and I, I we go back and forth and brainstorm, and eventually we come up with these entities. You know, the, the rhythm uh, or the uh, performance on canvas, but we've also owned schools with different musicians. We owned a school with Bootsy Collins for funk bass playing. We owned a school with George Lynch, guitarist for heavy metal guitar playing. Um, Just music centric, creative endeavors is what we basically specialize in. Yeah. Any uh, bucket list musicians that you'd love to work with that you haven't worked with? Oh, so many. Yeah. I mean, there's a laundry list. I, I, you know, I'm a huge Van Halen fan, so working with Alex Van Halen would be a dream come true. Yeah. Sammy Hagar would be great. Um, he's a great guitar player. I don't know if you've ever heard Sammy play, but he's a great guitar player. Yeah, there are probably a lot of people on this list that are unfortunately no longer with us, too, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the loss of Eddie Van Halen is the biggest loss musically the biggest loss of my lifetime yeah i mean he's the hendrix he was the heir to hendrix i think yeah yeah what kind of music are you guys into i guess somewhere in the fusion between uh metal and hardcore music i suppose somewhere in there so yeah that's probably like the main like central and then it's like branch off from there yeah yeah there are definitely influences of rock of metal of hardcore music um But yeah, tip and I guess it probably all started with with punk rock for us. Um, but I, I wouldn't say as far back as like the Rancids of the world. My love affair with music started with eighties hair metal. Yeah, just because of my age, and I had brothers that were older, so they were always playing me. And when I say hair metal, I mean like the cheesy, shitty shit um, <laughs> that I still love, like Bon Jovi. I grew up like listening to Bon Jovi vinyls and shit like that. <laughs> Yeah, but man, that those are the those are the tunes. Those yeah. are the anthems. Those they taught us how to rock and they taught us how to love. Yeah, yeah, oh. yeah. My mom would always yell at me for walking through the house singing "Bad Medicine." You know, <laughs> it's like, do you know what that means? <laughs> I remember my dad had a Scorpions cassette so distinctly, and it was I think it was a best of uh, cassette, but it had like a black, like studded leather jacket on that was like the uh, the cover, oh, yeah, the cover yeah. art and I think it was hanging from like a mic stand um, and I I listened to that thing until the tape came out yeah. you know? I remember I had to buy a new tape player because I was like oh it's it's threaded in there to that point that, and that was when I lived in Illinois that was my, my formative years I, was, I probably finished watching the burbs and then ran upstairs and put in my scorpions tape you and I both that was a great band I mean they're a great band they're a great band yeah. Yeah. I remember my uh, brothers putting in like a bootleg cassette tape of Metallica back like when Metallica was coming up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. And I remember just being like a five year old kid in the backseat of my brother's Chevelle or whatever the fuck. Just like And dude, that what early the hell Metallica is, was so like deliberate and chuggy and like that yeah. that bred so much of what we what we listen to today and what we make today wouldn't exist without that. Oh without dude, a doubt. One hundred percent, yeah. Cause that, that music would just move. And it was like, that's the palm muting that happens when your forearm feels like it's going to explode. Right. Like yeah, you're strumming where you yeah. like, your fingers are just like, Ew. yeah. yeah. You guys see the Pantera, uh, reunion kind of thing. Yeah. I've been reading, uh, mumblings of that. Yeah. How are they, are they going to do it? They're going to do it with Zach wild playing guitar. Oh, wow. So it's going to be, uh, Bill and, and the bass player and then Zach and um, Charlie Benante from Anthrax will play drums. It's kind of a divisive topic, right? Like some people aren't into it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what I keep reading. It's like so-and-so is like speaking out about how he doesn't think it's, it's like, okay. I'm, I'm excited about it. I'm, you know, honoring Pantera's history, I think, is important. They're, they were an important band. Sure. Uh, and certainly the brothers being dead, 
you know, it's it's time to kind of spend a little time looking at their legacy, what they left us. So. Yeah. I think that's a band that missed both of, both of us. Yeah, and I, I had a lot of friends that were like really into it that exposed me to it kind of late. And it was one of those things where I was like, by that point in time, it's like missing that we, we've talked about this on the podcast too. Like if you miss the movie Halloween and you see all these other movies that have basically taken all the great parts of Halloween and done it with bigger budget and done it with more and done it and done it and done it. And then by the time you go back to Halloween, you're like, oh, this movie's been done before. And it's like, no, this movie defined what all of you assholes have been watching. Um, I think with bands like Pantera, for me, I was too young. And by the time I went to Pantera, I was like, no, there are all these other bands that yeah. like do those themes, you know, with more intensity. And it's like, well, yeah, well, those bands wouldn't exist without this one, bud. So I, I feel like I was that guy related to to that. Sure. Do you want to talk a little bit about the uh, publications you've written about your you know, writing? I, I, during the pandemic, um, I started writing again. Um, I wrote right out of college. I was writing television commercials. So I was uh, got very into writing for a, a good solid five years professionally. And then once scene four's art kind of took off, I was doing art. And the last 15 years, I really haven't looked back. Um, during the pandemic, though, uh, we weren't really making a lot of art. We were kind of on hold. Everybody was staying in ho- at home. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was drinking a lot. So what do I do? I drank and wrote little books for my friends and started releasing them. Um, and the one was on manifesting, which I believe in and I practice manifesting and I have since I was a kid. Um, and the other book is kind of little lessons I've learned during my acting career and, and during the art formation of scene four, little kind of lessons about life and business. Um, and I've released them to, you know, my friends. Um, and we raised some money for charity. You know, each book, all the money goes to charity. Oh, um, so cool. So profits all go. So um, it's, it's just been kind of a fun thing to do. It's kind of a hobby. But if you're into the verbs, if you're into the acting stuff, you know, you might enjoy certainly the shit I know for sure book is really, really about that stuff. Yeah. I love that title. Oh, thanks. Corey, where can people find, uh, we've talked about a lot of your stuff, so you've got a website. Go to to scene4.com, S-C-E-N-E-F-O-U-R.com, that you can see all the art that Robbie and I do. Um, And if you're interested in uh, stuff about my career, go to coreydanziger.com. Yeah, perfect. That's C-O-R-Y, no E. Not like Feldman. Not like <laughs> Corey, thank you so much for doing this with us, man. We we honestly uh, just appreciate this eternally. This was yeah, this has been just the best. Yeah, this is truly truly an honor uh, uh, for us. So thank you so much. Well, for your time. You guys are very funny, very very funny, and very. I, I had a great time. So thank you for including me. Thank you, man. We appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs>